My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating Girl Boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Trans inclusion is not a delusion. It is real, and we deserve it. I pulled this from a Tumblr post by today's guest, Blossom Brown, who is an actress, producer, trans health advocate, motivational speaker, and openly transgender woman I am so inspired by. We're going to talk about her personal journey, issues unique to trans individuals and to Black trans women in particular, the gendering of sex toys, and more. We'll also weigh in for a listener who wonders why vibrators don't really do much for her with the help of Dr. Megan Fleming. If you enjoy what you hear today, there's a good chance you'll find value in my forthcoming book, Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, which releases on August 7th. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and target.com. You can also request it at your local bookstore. And for more Girl Boner fun, sign up for occasional updates at augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. I'll be sharing some fun news about an additional release there very soon. You can also find me and the Girl Boner community at facebook.com forward slash mygirlboner and search for me on Twitter and Instagram. I love hearing from readers and listeners, and actually, many of the questions we explore here come to me through social media. If you're inclined, I hope you'll also subscribe to Girl Boner Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, and consider leaving a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help us keep things going here and allow us to get our sex-positive messages to more people, including people who don't generally have access to this kind of information. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome the brilliant Blossom Brown to the show. What a wonderful inter- introduction. <laughs> I you love it. so easy. There's so much wonderfulness that I can share about you. You were mm. born and raised in Mississippi. Yes. What was your impression of sex and sexuality growing up there? Uh, it was very difficult, um, mainly because religion was one of those things that kind of just really took over. Um, the sex talk honestly made me very uncomfortable, like, growing up, because I had, like, a lot of things going on with me, um, just trying to find out, like, who I was, like, my sexuality, um, being the eldest of four kids, and um, having both a mom and a dad in the household, where um, it was a little strict. And by me being the oldest, like there was a lot of responsibility held on me. Like Mm -hmm. I would be responsible for like my siblings or whatnot. And so sex was one of those things that I really felt really uncomfortable even just talking about. Like I got, I just cringed on the word uh, penis and vagina when my dad was trying to have that talk with me because it was just like, and they were probably really uncomfortable too. Right. Because I feel like people, a lot of parents didn't learn much either. Mm -hmm. And then they put all this pressure on this, like, one talk where they're trying to, like, warn people. And it's so uncomfortable. It it was. And the thing that kept making me ask about it was um, I I was kind of like that TV kid. Like, I love TV. Like, um, like Sesame Street, Barney, and some of these other shows. I watched some of the grown folk shows, too. And then I got into, like, uh, wondering, where do babies come from? And I remember for a whole week, I asked my dad, uh, where do babies come from? Where do babies come from? And when he started to finally tell me, I was just like, I don't want to hear it. Okay, that's enough. You can stop <laughs> right there. Oh, my yes. goodness. So 
were they some of the first people you talked to about your gender identity or how did that start to unfold with the family? Oh, they were one of the last ones, surprisingly. One of the last ones. Um, Because, again, being in a strict household, you are required to to follow a certain script, I should say. Um, You know, my parents, they definitely had high hopes for me, which I felt um, was a little pressuring, especially when I got through high school. Um, I think my mom wanted me to be in, like, the military. And I liked it, but I'm just like, "Mm, no, I don't think it's going to be me and whatnot. And so, like, my dad was just more into making me just, do male things, act more like a man, and 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 just be who um, I was born, I guess you could say. And so it was really difficult, and just just oh, so many trials and tribulations going mm-hmm. through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, reasonably, I, I can understand or at least really respect. Obviously, I haven't been through that myself, mm-hmm. but because of especially even you know twenty years ago compared to now, there were far fewer conversations and I feel like still there if people aren't familiar they hear the word trans and they aren't quite even sure what it means Mm -hmm. you know they they've never maybe they didn't learn about it in school they don't know anybody um who's who at least they know is trans they probably do know people who are trans right so in a nutshell how do you define that for people so they have an understanding so when it comes to trans, so what trans means is basically how you identify as being different from the uh, the sex that you are assigned at birth. Um, and vice versa, if you're cis, you identify with how you were assigned at birth. So for example, a genetic female is considered a cis female because she identifies as a woman. She was born a woman. I um, was assigned male at birth. Obviously, I did not identify as that because it's not just an outside feeling. It's definitely how you feel on the inside as well. Um, I had uh, female um, feelings. I did feminine things. I like to hang around my mom more than I did my dad. I hated male-oriented things. Um, I didn't come into my truth until I was like 21, 2021. But um, when you're trans, you just some with some people they do take the necessary um, steps to transition. Others don't. And so, both are fine. And both are fine. Yes, just because a trans person may not want to get on hormones or um, make themselves more feminine, if you're a trans woman, does not mean that they're not trans because gender is very fluid. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We're still so stuck on the whole binary, either you're a man or you're a woman. Gender is very fluid, just like sexual orientation is. Yeah, very well said. It's not so pink and blue as yes. we've been taught, right? And it is a spectrum. So even people who are would consider this, themselves cisgender, because like you said, you were assigned female at birth because of your genitalia, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because the doctor doesn't actually know you, right? Yes. They're, they're going off of... Um, the scientific studies that that they learned, which now we know and research really supports what trans people have been saying forever, which mm-hmm. is gender is in the mind. And so when they have like those gender reveal parties, I'm always like, it's really a genitalia reveal party, right? Yeah. Like if it's if it's blue, the kid has a penis, but you don't know the gender. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's really, really true and very interesting. I always hated gender reveal parties because I'm like, what's the point of them, you know, to be honest, because, again, society gets stuck in this whole thing of being in the binary and, you know, um, 
it was something that I definitely had to learn as well as far as like being around people who are much more gender fluid and um who don't some people who don't identify with the gender period because they don't want to get into all of that. Right. Um, you know, being agender. And so um it takes a lot of educating yourself, be wanting to educate yourself and not be stuck in this um ignorance yeah. of gender. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Do you remember the feeling when your identity really solidified for you. You said you were on this journey mm-hmm. and you're searching and wondering. I imagine there could be a whole mix of emotions, but how did that, how did that feel to go, oh, this, this is who I am? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was really, I felt it through high school, but keeping in mind, I went to high school in Jackson, Mississippi. I went to Jim Hill High School, which was predominantly a black high school. And topics like... Uh, gender identity and stuff like that like it was it's so taboo especially in the um black community as as i felt because at that time it was just it was really taboo and conversations were just slow to have because no one wanted to be educated on that Mm. and so often i would i identified as a bisexual male and even that was problematic to people around me because it's like you know masculinity is one of those things that um, even though it's toxic, it's very dominant and people expected you to be masculine. They didn't expect anything else. And so having to deal with that in high school, just having to hide it was crazy. So right around the age of 20, you know, I decided if I wanted to go the rest of my life living like this, living in fear, not being able to be who I want to be. And that's when I decided I wanted to start transitioning. Now, being in Mississippi, again, this was really, really slow. Having access to hormones and stuff like that, like you are able to here in California. Very slow. Like, I didn't know where to go um, and who I could talk to. So, I just got on the internet. I think I Googled, there was this, like, Canadian pharmacy. I can't remember the name of it. I Googled that. And then there was this uh, company in Europe. And I went with the company in Europe. And I just started kind of, like, ordering, like, hormones or whatnot. And like these um, natural estrogens, which was like um, black cohage and um, blessed thistle, I think. Those two um, supplements together. It was just a combination of that because it's natural estrogen. So I started taking that and, you know, my little boobies started coming up. And so um, what a lot of people may not know um, as far as the viewers, I am living with HIV. I've been living with HIV for almost 15 years now. And so I found out two weeks after my 17th birthday, which was my 11th grade year of high school. So by then, I was already on treatment for um, HIV. So my per, um, my physician, my wonderful doctor um, at the time, actually saw what I was doing, saw that I was transitioning, and um, he consulted with someone, uh, with one of his colleagues in New Orleans, and he started to prescribe me hormones. And I was one of the first uh, patients that he did that for because he saw what I wanted. He knew this transition was very important to me and he was willing to make those steps for me mm. because he's really, cause he, he had been with me for 12 years actually before I moved out here and he's just watched me on this journey and, and whatnot. Because when I first found out about my HIV diagnosis, I was in high school, um, at a blood drive, um, because I wanted to find out what my blood type was and donate, um, blood to the community because there was a big shortage. And when I got that news, I was really heartbroken and I became really, really angry. I was a very, very angry teenager. And so uh, even he dealt with me during that time. And so I was able uh, 
to walk that journey with him. And then he was able to prescribe me my first hormone. And I was on it up until I moved out here, which I'm, which I'm currently back on it. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm so grateful. So grateful. What a beautiful ally, especially because yes. this wasn't something that he was accustomed to. And you working with him probably made such a difference for other trans individuals that mm-hmm. he's going to inevitably work with. That's really beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Really thank beautiful. you. And so grateful for allies like him. And I wish more people would come out as allies and let uh, communities like mine know that they're supportive. Because we really do need our allies in this fight. We cannot do it alone. And I know that intersectionality and feminism is really important to you. Yes. Come yeah. on with it. <laughs> and it's so interesting that some people, there's the whole white feminism, they call it, mm-hmm. uh, where people are feminist, but the way they define feminism is like equal pay or it's it's just, let's just treat men and women equally. And perhaps they haven't experienced some of these different things that people in marginalized communities have. So could you speak to the importance of that? Why is, is that such an important piece of, of feminism. Yeah, absolutely. Let's unpack that a little bit. When we talk about feminism, usually we are talking about white women. White women um, honestly have led the um, the revolt of feminism, especially in history. Um, especially when it comes to like when it came to like women's right to vote. Like um, people of color were not in that. We were still slaves. Some of us were still slaves. Couldn't at the time. be. Yeah. And so you know, oftentimes when we do talk about feminism, we are talking about mostly white women. We don't talk about the pay gap between a white woman and a, and a black woman or a white woman and a Latino woman. Like, we don't have those conversations. And breaking that barrier down a little more, me as a trans woman. Um, at one while, I did consider myself a feminist. But when I got around other feminists and saw how they would dismiss me as a trans person, I found that to be very problematic. One thing about feminism... If your feminism does not include trans women, you are not a feminist. And I don't care what anyone says. I ran into this issue about uh, almost two years ago with Frenchie Davis. Frenchie Davis is um, a wonderful performer. She's a wonderful singer. Um, I've actually met her once at um, a conference in D.C. where we were both speaking to um, LGBTQ um, youth uh, in, in historically black colleges. And there was this author that came out talking about, I can't remember her name because she's at, she's honestly irrelevant to me. But uh, she came out saying that trans women used to have male privilege um, as far as before their transition, which is very problematic and which is so not true because even before I transitioned, I was a black man in this country. And so you know how black men are treated in this country. So the privilege you're trying to come up with, I don't know what, mm. I don't know where you're getting it from. And so we took it to Twitter and Frenchie actually co-signed what she said. And I actually wrote her, I called Frenchie out on Twitter and I said, here's the thing. You know, you speak to LGBTQ youth, um, and some of those folks that we were speaking to were trans. Now, you're saying one thing to them. You're trying to empower them and be better at what they do as far as, like, their career um, and their goals. And yet, in the same breath, you're tearing—you're almost tearing them down because— you're co-signing what this author is saying. Like, it it doesn't make any sense. And so me, I, 
I will say me and her kind of had like a productive um, argument on uh, Twitter. Does happen? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it was productive. That's I great. will say because you know I I came for her and I said let me tell you something. You know I had admired your work. I admired what you said at that conference, but this is problematic. And you know me and her we talked and you know she was just like you know I don't mind being checked. As long as you don't mind being checked, you know, because um, she brought up the issue because she's a bisexual woman that trans women can sometimes be biphobic. And I'm like, you know what? Technically, yes. Anybody can be biphobic. Anybody can. But trans women, sometimes we could be biphobic because here's the thing. If we are with a man and he leaves us or cheats on us for another man, that stigma in society, even with women, it's with cis women too, it it brings... mm, it's like it, more shame around it somehow. Or, yes, yeah. shame. Mm-hmm. I, that's the good word I was looking for. Like, there's a lot of shame behind it. And so, bi erasure is very real. So, I understood what Frenchie was saying. And I, as a pansexual person, which means I don't really look at sexual orientation when I'm attracted to someone, um, you know, um, it's important to talk about. So, I gave her that. But it, the conversation ended up being okay to where, you know, we just agreed. <clears throat> with everything and, and, you know, she had to kind of look at things or whatnot and, and kind of look at things from a different view and a different lens. And so that conversation was okay. But with feminism, it is very problematic when you don't include trans women and especially black trans women, because let me tell you something, being here in LA, anti-blackness is so real. Coming from Mississippi, where racism was the biggest thing I had to deal with, coming here and being in uh, other around other groups of, of color and feeling the anti-blackness, feeling that I don't belong, even though we have some of the same struggles as people of color, but I feel like I'm being erased. Mm, that's really sad. It's really, really sad. I found a study that said in 2015, if all Americans had the same risk of murder as young black trans women, there would have been over 120,000 murders versus 15,696. Wow. That's over 100,000 more murders. Mm-hmm. You know, also I saw another uh, finding involved mental health issues yes. and eating disorders and it makes me so sad when people say, "Oh, well, you had this privilege." It's like when you grow up being you know, feeling alienated because people aren't accepting you for the gender that you authentically have. I just don't think that you can say, oh, that's, well, then you have male privilege. (laughs) You know, they're talking about other people maybe treating you in a certain way because Mm -hmm. maybe if you look, quote, male, then maybe they will treat you a certain way. That doesn't take away from these other layers. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy. And I, I actually like that you uh, said something about uh, trans women and being murdered. Um, that is a, a, a big issue, especially in the trans community. And <clears throat> I find it a little frustrating at times when it's not talked about enough. You know, if it was other groups of people being um, murdered or whatnot, like it gets so much atten- more, so much more attention mm-hmm. when it comes to trans folks being murdered. Like the media misgenders us. Um, makes us identity look like it was just nothing. Like it was just all for nothing. And, you know, these are lives too. We are human beings as well. And so I really do wish there's more conversations about trans folks being murdered. Yeah, there really would be if, if we were talking about white women. Mm, yes. 
that would be an epidemic, mm-hmm. which it is among the trans community. Yes. So it's it's so important, like you said, to get ed- educated, to to be allies. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You've also mentioned the importance of trans women supporting trans men more. Yes, yes. Why is that important <clears throat> to you? It's interesting because I think when you hit me up, I had just made a post about it. Um, so I'm going to give a little shout out because um, one of my trans sisters by the name of Talia, who lives in Atlanta, um, she posted something on her page about trans women needing to be supportive of trans men and that, uh, you know, we put up a status that let our trans men know that we're there for them. And oftentimes trans men, even though we are all trans, they definitely have their own issues and their own needs. And we have our own issues and needs as well. And so I will say trans women, we have been on the come up a little bit. We've been kind of getting in the spaces and whatnot. And I've definitely been feeling that brunt. But oftentimes our trans men don't get that same thrill. And oftentimes one thing I've noticed more in the work they're not at the table Mm -hmm. so you know as as trans women if we're not already if you're if you're a trans woman and you're not already doing it i would highly encourage you to you know show your love and show your support to trans men because um or, or or just in general like women should be supporting men anyway but especially i wanted to really talk about like trans men and trans women because again we are the groups that are mostly killed we don't get a lot of opportunities um and we are um we have high number of when it comes to like suicide and so we have those high numbers homelessness um unemployment housing all of these different um issues and so trans women i feel like we have to make sure that we are supporting uh, our trans men like you know they because from what I've been seeing, they support us, definitely. You know, they're always there shouting our names if we're ever murdered. And, you know, if they're, if one of them is ever taken out, we're definitely there shouting their names as well. But I just feel that I, as a trans woman, would like to do more to help my trans brothers or trans masculine individuals. Because let, mm-hmm. me, let me say this again, gender is very fluid. So our trans brothers and our trans masculine individuals... Um, I always said to, I've been making it my business lately to say that any resource that I have that you may be able to use, just let me know. Mm. I, as a trans woman, cannot speak for you, but hopefully we can work out something to get you into the space for you to have a voice at the table. Because one thing I can say with my many projects and with my many um, levels of activism stuff that I've been doing, they're not there. And going to these conferences and seeing trans men having to stand up and shout for their existence, it put something on me in particular because, yes, I'm a trans woman, but I also do have privilege. And a lot of that privilege came from when I was struggling to get into nursing school and being on television. You um, were on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yes, and it yes, was, I was so beautiful. Yes. Carry on. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, and so I. Whether I like it or not, I've garnered a lot of privilege. And so often I feel guilty because I hear them talking, but I'm not being a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to help them come up with ways. Me and my sisters, some of my sisters, I should say, are not helping them come up with ways to combat uh, the things that they're dealing with. And, you know, it took a conference and it took a couple of trans guys for me to realize, like, damn, Blossom, like, 
you have access to resources, girl. Like, mm-hmm. you have keys to unlock doors. Yeah. And because of fear and because you are afraid of many other things or whatnot, you don't want to open those doors and help people. And so I really made it my business this year to be more part of me, to be more part of the solution and not the problem. That takes such courage. That's, that's really beautiful to hear that you had to, you know, and that you chose to work through that fear, because I think that's the case for so many people. And almost all of us have some type of privilege that we can use to benefit people. And when we hear about all these different risks of mental illness and suicide and murder and abuse and homelessness, Mm -hmm. the answer to that is greater inclusivity and inviting people to the table and becoming better allies, right? So when people hear those things, I want them really to understand that it's not because that's, you know, a trans person isn't naturally predisposed to these things. It's Mm -hmm. our culture doing this. Yes. Like we can make such an impact. And I know you work in the sexuality field. Yes. What are some of the issues that are particularly important around sexuality when it comes to transgender people? So understanding that sexuality, again, is very fluid. Um, If you are a trans woman and you date women, of course, you're considered like a lesbian. That's okay. Uh, If you date men, that's okay, too. Same thing with trans men. You date other men or or queer or or however you identify. All of that is fine. But because of just dealing with, like, sexuality and as far as, like, the health field, which I'm also in, it's very stigmatizing because... Again, in the health industry, I feel like we're so far behind when it comes to these different things, how somebody identifies, how someone wants to be treated. Um, And we've got to do better. We definitely have to do better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I saw this article recently about toys that were sex toys that were good for trans people. And I when I saw that, I just thought, aren't they just any toys that are good for people are good for all people like I mean there's different genitalia and there's different ways we experience things but I was looking into this topic because we got a really wonderful question from a listener and we'll hear from Dr. Megan of greatlifegreatsex.com as well we heard this from CJ and she wrote this I don't use sex toys mostly because the few times I used a vibrator I just felt too ticklish it was like electric shock almost okay not that bad but you get what I'm saying I like the idea of toys so I would like to know if you would recommend a different one Maybe not all women like them, or maybe I'm just using vibrators wrong because literally I'm like, what is the big deal, CJ? CJ, thank you so much for this question. I relate. It, I Vibrators are not my favorite toy, um, so I think you are not alone, but here's what Dr. Megan had to say. CJ, love your question, and um, you know, what I love about it most is the fact that it's like tools in a toolbox and vibrators aren't for everyone. Um, I actually in particular, um, although I recommend them all the time for many clients, I'm not the biggest fan because I personally find that it can kind of numb me out. And so first of all, I would say that, you know, vibrators come in all shapes and sizes. Certainly some are more powerful. The electric are more powerful than the battery. Um, you know, I'm always looking for something that's probably a variable speed, but even in variable speeds, I often find that, um, it's kind of from like zero to, uh, you know, 180. They, they, typically, they don't really have a really low, uh, just sort of barely vibrating setting. And so, you know, I think it's important. It's all about exploring and knowing what works and doesn't work for you. So for now, you know, vibrators are on the back burner. And the reality is 
you know, partners typically can't duplicate that kind of, well, not typically can't duplicate that kind of stimulation anyway. So, you know, I guess I want you to say, like, have you been playing and exploring with your hand? Um, what's amazing about our hand is the sensation to sort of, um, you know, to notice, you know, what is it that you most enjoy? Is it a light touch? Is it a firmer pressure? Um, is it direct clitoral stimulation or do you prefer indirect? You know, using your hand and getting that information is definitely going to give you a much better sense of what kind of stimulation you find the most pleasurable. And that might then even inform sort of the next sex toy. Uh, but if we're moving in a sense away from vibrators, one thing I would definitely have you consider exploring is G-spot stimulation. So, um, listen, some G-spot stimulators definitely also have a vibration component, but you don't need to turn that on. Uh, one that I love is the Enjoy Pure Wand, um, which is stainless steel and has sort of two ends. One is um, both around, obviously. One is smaller than the other, um, and it, it has some sort of significant weight to it. Um, and there's a little bit opportunity for temperature play, which I think can make it really hot and sexy. So, you know, I'm not only advocating the, uh, Npure, uh, G-spot simulator, but there are many, many on the market, but ultimately it's just to realize, you know, what it is that works for you and what is your turn on and ultimately how do you communicate that to your partner? So Go out there, explore, play with your hand, play with other sex toys, and as always, love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I really love what she had to say about exploring and trying different things. And also, if you don't um, have a G-spot or you don't enjoy that kind of play, also a lot of those toys have the uh, prostate um, function, too, if you want to stimulate there. And it's so interesting because the the article I mentioned about gender, there was a gender neutral sex toy, they said. And I thought, that's so interesting. It sounds actually kind of interesting. It's called the Transformer, and it has a rabbit vibe, a clitoral massager, a cock ring, a G-spot stimulator, a prostate massager. Like, it's hard to picture. <laughs> but but I guess it's like really, you can change it around. And I thought, it's cool. It, it It's actually genitalia neutral, right? And I think it's interesting when they say gender neutral, toys already... Are. Yeah, like, why are we trying to put gender on every single thing? A vibrator yeah. is a vibrator. Yeah. Um, when it comes to sexual health, as long as you are happy and you find something that works for you, it's all good. We should not be putting gender on everything. It's so true. And I think <laughs> I think because of the gendering of them, mm-hmm. we have this idea like if you are a woman, you must love a vibrator because that's like the most common, I guess, that's promoted ever since it was on Sex in the City in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different things you can do with different kinds of toys. And yes. yeah, how do you recommend going about finding one or experimenting and, and going down that path? Oh, for, for me personally, um, I don't use sex to- toys that much, but because I, I work in sexual health, I kind of know what's up. Um, I used to go to sex shops, um, mainly, um, if I ever wanted to get like a vibrator or whatnot, um, or something for stimulation, I used to just try sex shops first because I, I've always kind of like, liked that environment a little bit. Like whenever you want to spice things up or be really kinky, kinky boots or whatnot, like just go to a sex shop. I get a little iffy about ordering stuff on the internet and I just... I'm kind of like, eh, if I don't see it in person right then and there, 
and like I order it and it comes to me and it's not what I want, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be like, oh my God, I spent my money on this. Right. I'd rather have just looked at it in person. And you can't get the size down on, on sites. Like yes. the first dildo I ever ordered was so gigantic. Like I thought from the picture that it was going to be kind of moderate size and no, I mean – it like kind of blew my mind and so i think but once you take it out you can't return stuff obviously you're not gonna like yeah. use a toy return it or whatever but when you go to a store and see uh the pleasure chest which is one of our, our sponsors here they're yes, so great I in love, west hollywood you know i've not i've never been to their shop but i hear a lot of great things about the pleasure chest mm, it's so wonderful you'd love it it's because it's so vibrant like mm-hmm. it has that really bright feel to it and all of the staff are super well-trained. They're sex educators. I mean, they, Wonderful. from this work, most of them. And it's such a special job when you when you get to work with people and help them find something for their own intimate desires. And, and they're very inclusive. So they will say things like, you know, what kind of genitalia or what, what part of genitalia are you thinking of? And do you like more of a buzzy sensation? Do you like more pressure? Do you like a cooler temperature? And just a really welcoming place. And when you first walk in, it's all clothes mm-hmm. first. So it's not... For people who feel a little bit like, oh, my gosh, I've never been before, go with some friends and just sort of – it's it's just fun. You can just play around and, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a good adventure to have. Yeah, I should go over there and check it out. I have a friend that works over there. Shout out to my friend. They are amazing. Um, but I never – I'm like mm, – because I know there's a place, like, in the middle of Hollywood over by where I work, but then I'm like – and the area over there is a little sketchy, so I'm like, okay, that's how a lot of people there. think of sex toy shops because all the ones I saw growing up were like a dark, hidden place where mm-hmm. the neon lights were broken, so it said like sex shop or something. That's how they would get down in the booths. <laughs> yeah. They would get down and dirty yeah. in the booths, and like the smell of bleach and like other chemicals makes me think of Criminal Minds because I've yeah. seen so many episodes. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your TV experience because yeah. not only were you on Ellen, but mm-hmm. you also were in an incredible documentary series. What was your first TV experience? All right, so my first TV experience was Caitlyn Jenner's I Am Kate. Uh, I was in season one. Um, so it, it's interesting how the story happened. So. I was in D.C. because um, a lot of people may not know this, but I do a lot of volunteer work for the Human Rights Campaign. Um, they were the first ones who first heard my story of me being discriminated against in Mississippi for getting in nursing school based on my transition. And so um, at, I was in college still. I had just got a scholarship from AAUW, shout out to them, um, for their women's conference that they have usually every summer. And so I was there on their scholarship. And HRC's main office is in D.C. And so um, this wonderful guy named Jay Brown, he's like a father to me um, who works there, um, actually hit me up and wanted to meet with me for dinner. And we wanted to talk about Caitlyn Jenner. So by then she had just did the Diane Sawyer interview. And uh, Jay had uh, had just asked me, was like, would you and a few other trans women of color uh, fly out to San Francisco and have a conversation with her? So I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Um, he had asked me my opinion about the interview and I was pretty neutral about it because I'm like, it's great. Caitlin's coming out into herself or whatnot. But then again, you know, she's of the Kardashian brand, like she's famous and she has a lot of money, but I'm all, I'm always open to conversation. So I had no problem doing that. So literally the next weekend we flew out to San Francisco. We went to the HRC office there. Um, and got to meet with amazing other trans women. Um, Angelica Ross, who's now on, um, FX Pose was there. 
um, Leia, a few other uh, folks. Jen Richards, who I love so much, um, was there. Uh, Candace Kane, like all the all of the girls were there. Shandy, my sister, who's amazing, and so we all sat down. And we all began to like have this conversation with Caitlin. And, you know, each of us kind of shared a little bit about our, our experience. Um, with my experience, I talked about being discriminated against in nursing school because all I wanted to do was be a nurse. I did not want to let the fact that I am transitioning stop that. I really wanted to help people. Um, originally, it's funny because I wanted to help geriatrics. But that's since shifted because I was like, I think I need to help more of my community. Mm. And so... Um, having that conversation with Caitlin was uh, very interesting. And one thing I did say was I am a big Ellen fan because growing up, Ellen was definitely one of my biggest inspirations. I had watched her on her TV show, which I loved. Watch her coming out as a gay, proud woman was one of the most inspiring things to me. Um, it was that it was a tie between that and what happened to Matthew Shepard. Um, mm. It's funny because I've actually met uh, Matthew's parents, Judy, um, Judy Shepard, who I love so much since then and, what, and whatnot. And so those are two things for me growing up because, again, the TV kind of had a hand in raising me as well that I, like, that I um, saw. So you saw this really positive, beautiful example and yes. really tragic, exactly. horrible, sad, devastating example. Exactly, exactly. And it kind of helped me want to... It kind of at first it kind of helped me be afraid to come into my true self, but when I saw the resiliency of both situations, you know, especially with Judy and what she had to deal with, the family and whatnot, it really, really inspired and helped me to become who I was. And so I shared that with Caitlin. Now, I had no idea that she knew Ellen. I really did not. I was just like, you know, I love Ellen. She's one of my biggest inspirations. Um, I wasn't expecting to meet her. I really was not. Um, we filmed all that. And so it's funny because the next scene after when they got in the car, I didn't realize how much it touched them to hear my story. And then, um, that's when it was revealed then that they were going to try to get me on Ellen. So I didn't find that. I actually found out with the rest of the world when this, when that episode actually premiered because you were sitting in like a back room yes and it was a big surprise moment you yes. didn't realize that you were even going to be pulled out on stage in front of everyone no i didn't so there was about a 2 to 3 month period before then because that was the beginning of season 13 when um ellen was also was she was in la but then she was in new york as well when she ended the week in new york so I knew from the show, because Caitlin had actually called me two weeks prior to, to let me know, hey, make sure you're watching the show, this episode. And I knew it was our episode that we were in. So I'm like, okay, girl, no problem. And so when I found it out, I was in college, um, a live tweeting with my friend, like with my friend, um, Kimon. Shout out to you, Kimon. I'm shouting out everybody. And it happened and I was just so excited. I, I was just freaked out. It was just incredible. And it showed you were so excited and grateful yeah. and emotional. Yeah. And then, and then going to that day um, when, when it happened. So I was told that I wasn't going to meet Ellen on stage, that they were going to try her their best to get her to come backstage. Uh -huh. So Candace Kane, lovely Candace, um, 
came along and we entertained each other or whatnot waiting in the room and i consciously forgot that that was the room with the hidden camera in it because i was just self-grateful to be there because i wanted to meet my biggest inspiration really surreal yeah it was very surreal and then when ellen and them popped up i was just like oh my god and then when she told me to come out i freaking lost it and a lot of people don't know this but that hallway that i ran down was very very long oh no by the time i got to the stage because like you know how television they cut stuff down yeah by the time i got to, to the stage i was out of breath oh no i was a little out of breath but i hugged ellen and oh. it was one of the most happiest moments of my life and mm. you know i appreciate caitlin for that you know um and when they surprised me with twenty thousand dollars it was it was incredible because a lot of people didn't know this but like um I didn't even have money to pay for my tuition. My last semester of college, like my financial aid, all that had ran out. And I didn't even have any money to um, pay for my tuition. Like I was actually, um, um, in the, what was it? Uh, I don't want to say it's crowdfunding. What's the other one? GoFundMe. Okay. It was GoFundMe. I had to do it two semesters. Uh, one semester was when Laverne Cox retweeted me. Uh, Angelica Ross had Laverne retweet me and I got my tuition paid then. And then this one, I just was trying to raise money or whatnot. So it was never a money thing or whatnot. That literally just came right on time. I cared more about meeting Ellen mm-hmm. and just letting her know that she was my biggest inspiration and she was my biggest push to move on. And so I was grateful for the, re- for like the reward or whatnot, but it was never about like the money. I got to meet Ellen and it, it was amazing. And it's just, um, I'm so grateful. So grateful. And and you got to share with the world. Think of how many trans kids were watching. Yes. And I got a lot of emails after that from trans folks who have been experiencing the same thing that I did in the education system. So, you know, I had this trans person who wrote me who wanted to get into law school, but based on their transition, they went through the same thing, you know, and I, and I had to understand my privilege when I heard from these people then because it's like, not everybody can make it to Ellen. Yeah. Not everybody can make it to these shows or whatnot. And I feel like I had a purpose mm. to spread the message that, hey, this is going on and we got to do better to work together to do so. And that you could safely do so. Yes, I know safely. you have a video on your YouTube channel about dealing with bullying, and I know you've dealt yes. with that. But in this case, you were able, there are some people who cannot speak about their identity to anyone because their life would be immediately threatened or, you know, and so I love that you embrace that opportunity knowing there will mm-hmm. be trolls or always be trolls. Yes. Uh, I try to write little secret love letters in my head to, to my trolls just to be like, not to thank them, but just to like, it's, <laughs> it's fuel. And also to go, it's something about you. Yes. Right. right? But I just love that, that you did that. And how did your thank life you. change from that experience obviously you weren't going into it thinking oh i hope this happens for me you wanted to meet ellen yeah but your platform obviously raised a lot it raised a lot and when i got home to mississippi it also um slapped me in the face as a reality check because my university did not recognize that i was on ellen i am kate they did not recognize anything um and it's interesting because there were two white students who got a twenty thousand dollar uh scholarship in culinary and so a talk show host gave me a twenty thousand dollar scholarship for school or whatnot and there was no mention of it and spoke of the discrimination yeah i mean the fact that it was two white people who Mm -hmm. 
perhaps they have, you know, everybody has challenges, but they have so much more access. Yeah, exactly. And I was very heartbroken because I spoke so highly of my university, which is Mississippi University for Women. Um, I would never bash my college, but I would, I become much more, when I look back at this situation now, I want to make sure that I'm being a part of the solution, not the problem, because I would want to make sure that any uh, trans or, or uh, gender nonconforming person that goes to that uh, college um, is felt safe. And so anything that I could do to help, I want to make sure that we bridge those, um, make a bridge together, I should say. So, you know, it, it wasn't my thought back then because it was just like, wow. Mm. You know what I mean? But to be fair, I had a lot of support on campus between, like, my professor, um, Dr. Purvis, who um, was – I was interning for her, who when nobody would give me an internship, she did, and she made me her intern. And she supported me each and every uh, step of the way with, like, Ellen and everything. Like, she was just – Amazing. One and person so can make such a difference. Yeah, one person can definitely make a difference. And, you know, I love her. Uh, Caroline Purvis, she's amazing. Um, and, and so many of my friends and, like, my colleagues or whatnot. So I can't bring the whole school down because I did have a lot of support on it. The higher-ups, um, I was just not I was just not pleased with. Like, Jim Borsig, I was not pleased with at all. And he's no longer president of the W. But um, it's interesting because I would have loved to go back to Mississippi and have a conversation with him to figure out how can we build uh, the gaps or what build the bridges or what not yeah. to cover the gaps. And I just want to back up to one thing that you said about uh, trans folks and wanting to uh, and being stealth. Being stuff in the trans community is one thing that definitely happens a lot because, like you said, our lives are definitely in danger um, or whatnot. That's why trans murders are so high. And even when a trans person is murdered, the first thing that they think is we're tricking people. We're not telling people the truth. How do people not know that we're being punished for telling our truth, for us being our authentic selves? And so let me make a point to that. Trans people are not out here tricking people, okay? Most of the time, people know what's going on with us. You like what you like. But because of the way society shames you and because of the way society stigmatizes you, you think otherwise. And so we got to do better. We do. That was really, really powerful. It's amazing to me that people think trans people would be trying to trick people. Yes. Because what is the benefit? Like, what would it, why would that help a trans person to trick people? You know, I don't. I don't understand what that motive, mm -hmm. what they're thinking that would be. I'm guessing there's just a lot of ignorance around it. But I would hope that anybody listening who can't quite understand the honesty that's actually happening is to really think about that. Like, why would anybody try to trick someone about murder, about exactly. all of these things, you know, because it's not children who are trans, for example, mm -hmm. I've parents uh, of trans kids uh, I've, I've talked to who said that people thought they were just doing it to as a cool thing like like a fad cool thing and the parents are all like my kid would not choose something that is so challenging currently yeah. yes because um, you know I know Jazz uh, Jazz and her mother Jeanette um, Jazz Jennings and they are amazing they're like some of my favorite people and you know I told Jeanette one time at an event like I you inspired me because I know you take a lot of the brunt as a parent because people think, why would you let your child do this? Why are you letting your kid run 
what's supposed to be happening in the house. And seeing Jazz grow up and, like, the things that are happening to her are so great. And, you know, I commend Jeanette especially for for letting her letting her child be who she is. And, you know, fighting off what society is saying. Like, shout out to all the trans parents out there. And, and some of you I know I've met and I love you and I stand with you because that's a lot. It's one thing having to raise a child, but then having to deal with bullying at school, having to deal with grown people who feel that a, a, a trans youth, a, a child, basically, when you take out all of the labels, they're still a child. You're bullying yeah. a child. Like, and you think that that's acceptable over a bathroom? Like, it's crazy because it, it really saddens me that to see kids not eat lunch or not do other activities because they're afraid to go to the restroom. And because they're afraid of having to deal with the politics that comes with it, especially in very conservative states. It's very disheartening. It's problematic. And so, again, I commend each and every trans parent out there. Mm. I really do. Yeah. I have one more question for you. But before I get to it, I want to make sure everyone hears, if they're not yet familiar, where can they find you online and what do you have going on that people can support? Yes. So, you all, I am on Instagram. Follow me at Blossom, C as in Cat, Brown. Um, on Twitter, I'm also Blossom, C as in Cat, Brown. Uh, Facebook, I do have a fan page. Just go on there. Like my page. I totally love to interact with people. So, you know, totally check me out. Um So, I have uh, several things going on. Nothing that's actually out there in the atmosphere yet um, as far as um, it being done. But right now, I I literally, before coming here, I literally just signed the paperwork to a very special project that I will uh, definitely be a part of. Um, Yeah, which is really exciting. It's going to be one of the most um, intimate things that I do, and I hope that y'all follow along. Um, I'm also doing a short film, um, which I get to uh, co-produce. Details are definitely coming. So hopefully around later on this year, um, word will be out with that. And so I'm also, I also do this cool show called Shayla and the Girls. Uh, shout out to my girls out there. It's kind of like a talk show f- with trans women on there. It's, we're kind of like a mixture of the real and the view. Like, um, I, I love being on it. I'm kind of like one of the new girls on the block, but I love being on it and I love sharing my opinion with so many different hardworking trans women, um, who come from different, um, uh, genres all coming together to voice our opinions and you know even though sometimes we don't agree with each other there's so much love and passion there and I enjoy working with those girls um shout out to Shayla who's like our Barbara Walters for even giving me this opportunity and you know I love my girls and so I'm, I'm so glad to be able to do that as well and then I'm kind of getting to the point now where I'm ready to create my own like do like a web series or something like I have so many yes. ideas oh, and so yes. I'm still learning the back I'm learning more of behind the scenes because for several years now I've kind of been in front of the scenes and so I'm kind of like having to step in the back of the scenes and so we just did this web series where I was a social media producer and I got to direct, uh, co-direct two episodes and that's going to be coming out real soon. It's in post-production now. Um, and it's funny because I got to co-direct two of my favorite episodes. When I was reading the script, I was like, oh my God, what happens next? What happens next? And for my wonderful sister, Rain Valdez, um, who's actually on, uh, Amazon's Transparent, who's worked over there, um, for her to give me this opportunity to, 
learn. Like, I give it all to her, and I'm so grateful for the many people and my many jobs that I get to work with. They're such hardworking artists. They're so passionate, and they really inspire me for me to be the best that I could be. Mm, I'm sure you bring that, too. You infuse passion, it seems, into everything you do, and you're such a light. In one of your videos, the one talking about bullying, you, you recommended that people who are experiencing that work on building courage and wisdom. Yes. And I feel like you eat, sleep, and breathe that. I wonder where it came from, and part Mm -hmm. two, how can people listening start to cultivate that in their lives? Yeah, for me, it's it's so personal because I had to learn how to do that, honestly. And I had to really... Because one thing about it, it's kind of like what Gabrielle Union was saying. Like, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom in order to lay out things in your life. And so, believe it or not, I was one of those people that had low self-esteem when it came to relationships. You know, I have a quirky, happy kind of personality. And most people find that annoying. And so, having to deal, you'll be surprised. And so, having to deal with, like, relationships and other things. Like, even growing up, I was much more of the follower, not a leader. Like, I was lame. I probably didn't get popular until I was an adult. Um, You know, I wasn't the cool kid on the block or whatnot. And so, I had to really find ways of dealing with bullying. And it's easier said than done. You have to be willing to find your strength, whatever it is, and conquer. Um, and, and well, excuse me, let me back it up. You have to find your weakness, conquer it, and find strength in that, however you want it to be. Um, it's okay if it takes time. You do it on your time. You have to be willing to do it. And yes, you can look at other people around you, but never compare your journey to theirs because they could be, they're going through something completely, totally different. And it's funny because I did that, oh my gosh, I did that video like what, about four years ago? But, um, and I'm definitely going to start back doing my YouTube videos, definitely, because I really need that. Um, You know, bullying is hard because being a trans woman, the only trans woman on a college campus, and people making fun of you being bullied, because I'm six foot three. And so people just used to get a kiki off of me, and it used to really hurt me and make me sad, but... I'm like, you know what? I have to build confidence in myself. And so you have to get to the point where you're able to build confidence. Be proud of who you are. It doesn't matter um, if you're genderqueer or you're, um, um, you know, you're trans or whatever it is you are. Just embrace who you are. But you have to be willing to find your weaknesses, conquer them, and build up strength within it. Replace it with some kind of strength. Mm, Such wisdom that's yes. that's really important no matter what we're going through i think we can all learn from that and really go okay what what am i passionate about what do i want to learn about what are my skills focus there that's really yes. big thank you so much for being here today thank you so much for having me august this was great if you're enjoying girl boner radio again please do subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or iHeartRadio, and leave us a review while you're there and again you can find my book on amazon barnes noble just search for Girl Boner or head to augustmclaughlin.com forward slash books. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.